have secret weapons in society that no, nobody's using. The carnivore diet by far is the best medical dietary intervention that anybody can do. I don't care what anybody says. I've done it up and down, back and forth, th different ways. And the closer I get to red meat and water, the healthier I get. But seeing all these young bodybuilders die, at least for me, when I'm going, sh I'm going straight for where they're, yeah. they were at, they're dropping dead. I'm, you know, that's definitely a turnoff for me. You should try to use the minimum effective dose. So like, if what you're doing right now is like working, 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 well, stay on it. Either way, but I don't think it, you're just gonna take testosterone and all of a sudden you're gonna be like, have roid rage or be depressed. I think it has everything to do with like, everything outside of what you're using. All right, guys, on this episode of Anabolic Activities, we have the legend Chris Bell. He created Bigger, Stronger, Faster, the movie, and Leaf of Faith, which is on Kratom. Go watch them. They broke the internet and gives you a very dope perspective on steroids. All right. You're my boy, man. This is my, this is my guy. Let's go. All right. All right. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about, I have a couple questions for you, uh, but we'll start with the film stuff because sure. I feel like, you know, Every, everybody knows Bigger, Stronger, Faster. At least I watched that movie at least 10 times. Before I even knew who you and Mark were, before I even came here, I was watching that movie because it was so raw. And I couldn't find anything like it aside from Tony Huge after I found that movie. So, yeah. Can we go into why you kind of... Why I made that movie? That? Yeah. You know, I was actually trying to make movies for 10 years. My dad told me, I went to USC film school, that whole story of me getting there was crazy. I won a contest, uh, I won a video contest that was judged by Francis Ford Coppola. I got flown to LA and put up in a nice hotel. And so I went to go visit USC and I met the cheerleaders there. When I met the cheerleaders there, I was like, I wanna go to school here. This is amazing, they're Should all blonde and beautiful. And I applied to school there and I got in. And it was so weird because they only take like 40 students for the film school every year. And they get like 2000 applicants. It's like one of the hardest specialty schools get in, in, in the world. Right. And everybody at my community college laughed at me that I applied to USC. Everybody thought I was an idiot, but I had won this contest. Mm -hmm. And because I won that contest, my grades were barely able to scrape by. I would never get into USC now. But I got lucky and I got in right at the right time. And then I got into the film school because when they read my essays and letters of recommendation from Francis Ford Coppola, they let me go, go into film school. So I was in film school. My dad said, when you, gra like, when you graduate, it'll take you 10 years to do what you don't want to do. So be, be prepared for that, son. You know, be prepared, it's gonna take 10 years. So I graduated and I thought I was gonna take over the world and I could not get a job. I applied to over 500 jobs. I was trying to get work. Um, I applied as Spike Jones, who's a great director. I applied as his assistant, I got the job, and then they told me they were gonna give it to their old assistant now, and I don't have the job. So I got mm -hmm. so close to getting like a really dope job with an awesome director, but it didn't happen. So things just kept falling through the cracks and I was writing screenplays and I couldn't, I couldn't get anything going. And then a, a friend of mine and I at the gym, we wrote a story about a local bodybuilding contest mm -hmm. and it was called The Battle for Muscle Beach. And it was a really cheesy kind of a mockumentary about, about the gym and the right. gym culture. And I used to see The Rock at the gym every day. We'd talk all the time. And I handed it to The Rock one day and I said, you want to read this? And he's like, yeah. And so like, it was nothing back then because The Rock wasn't popular. He mm -hmm. wasn't doing anything. Was he a the wrestler? Rock read it. Yeah, he was a wrestler, but he, he was doing movies, but he just started. Right. So The Rock read it. He came in and he said, I want to produce this. 
I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, I want to produce it. So we, we got like talking about it and blah, blah, blah. Uh, one thing led to another, and I gave it to another friend of mine. And The Rock was just like not around. It was hard to get in touch with him, whatever. So I didn't really pursue that with him because I didn't know if he was serious. But um, what ended up happening is another friend of mine that I went to film school with walked into Gold's Gym one day, and we had done a film together, and the film was really successful. It was like my senior thesis film, and his name's Alex. And I told him about this script, and I gave him the script. And then... Um, the next day, he wants to meet with me. He's like, I read your script. This is amazing. And so we sit down and talk, and he goes, you know what, though? This seems more real. You seem a lot more real than trying to be funny. And I think if you did, like, a documentary, like an actual documentary on this, it'd be great. I left there going, whatever. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And then I went home, and I, you know, I was talking to Alex and, and his wife on the phone. His wife was our other producer, Tamsin. And... She's like, you just have this gift for like telling stories and you, ha you have all these great stories. And she's like, think about it. Like, what is your life about right now? Like, what, what do you think about steroids? I go, you know, what, you know what I think? I have a younger brother that's on steroids and he looks great. And I have an older brother that's on steroids and he looks great. And I struggle with it every day because I've always thought it was bad. I always thought it was just this negative thing and a dark shadow. And she was like, that's your movie. Yeah. She, she like so stunned. She goes, that's your movie. Your movie is like, you're the middle child. And once I realized like, oh, that is a cool storyline. I didn't really think anybody would want anything to do with my family. You know, you always think your family's the worst. Like, you don't, you don't want your parents to drop you off at school because you're not right. cool, right. you know, or whatever. And so I'm showing my mom and dad on the screen in front of the whole world and was really nervous. But I remember um, at Sundance, we went to Sundance Film Festival and the beginning of the movie, um, my dad talks about Mad Dog going off to college. He said, your brother went, went off to college. He wanted money for steroids. And I told him, like, no, that's a crazy idea. If you want drugs, go get a job. Yeah. <laughs> and when he told him, you know, when he just put it point blank like that, if you want drugs, go get a job, the whole theater erupted in laughter. And then I knew from then on that that movie was going to be successful, you know? Right. So that's a long, long story short of how I kind of got into filmmaking. And then this particular film really was that struggle between Mad Dog and Mark and I about how we all felt about steroids. And I feel completely different now than I did back then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. In yeah, a lot of I ways. Didn't even, I didn't know the whole, I didn't know you won a contest. Yeah. The whole USC I, thing. It's like Willy Wonka. Yeah. That's a story. You know what I mean? Story. It's a weird yeah. story. And it's like, I think it's good for people to know, like, I wasn't supposed to make it. You know? Mark yeah. wasn't supposed to make it. Right. But how did we make it? We, we knew that muscles were the answer. And when I say muscles are the answer, I've been, Mark and I have been talking about powerlifting and strength training our whole entire lives. We probably went a little overboard on most of it and hurt ourselves in some way. Mark is in excellent, amazing shape for his age. He, he looks fantastic and he can run like crazy. And he can do all these things now because he, he since realized that and scaled way back on the powerlifting. You know, I scaled yeah. way back on the powerlifting and now I kind of bodybuild with with you guys and yeah. do stuff like that. So like, as you get older, you start realizing, you know, <laughs> what you can still do, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, okay, so then I have a question about the leaf of faith. So that was after, that yeah. was how, how yeah, long? Yeah, so I made, okay, so I made Bigger, Stronger, Faster, right? And as soon as I finished Bigger, Stronger, Faster, because of genetic arthritis, I had a double hip replacement surgery. After that surgery, I was in extreme pain for two years. 
and the doctors couldn't figure out why, and they just kept giving me more and more drugs. I had a girlfriend who I was going to marry, like beautiful and awesome, and because of my drug use, she broke up with me. Like, mm -hmm. she dumped me, and so I was like alone with fake hips and depressed, and I was drinking every day. Once I figured out you could drink with the Percocets, I was like, man, this is crazy. You just get, you get so blitzed, it's, it's out of control. Yeah. And I used to love that feeling because I was running away from pain, you know? Mm -hmm. But I also think I was running away from emotional pain from some of these relationships and things that I had ruined through alcohol and, and drug use. And like, my life just spiraled, spiraled out of control. And somehow, through like a miracle, I end up like raising money. I, I was broke, like dead broke. I had no money. I didn't really make much money off of Bigger, Stronger, Faster because documentaries tend to screw you on that. And you don't, yeah. they, they don't pay that well. Um, Excited to announce that we dropped the anabolic template. It is a program, bodybuilding slash power building to a certain degree. It's a lot of volume. It's a lot of top sets. It's, you know, it's not for the weak. But it is going to get you jacked, and it is going to make you a lot more strong. So go over to anabolicactivities.com or go to our Instagram, at anabolicactivities, and click the link in our bio. Now back to the program. Unless you make it and produce it and put it all out yourself, which we're trying to move towards that model, um, you don't make a lot of money. So I was like broke and desperate, and I wrote this movie called Trophy Kids. And Trophy Kids was about obsessive sports parents. My best friend was a basketball coach. And I just said to him, like, hey, do you want to produce a movie? He knows a lot of people. He, he talked to people with money. I talked to people with money. People gave us money, even though I was a drunk <laughs> degenerate. They didn't really know that. Gave us money. We started making that film. And about three quarters of the way of the film, I, through the film, I almost got kicked off because I got Peter Berg to work on my movie. Peter Berg's one of the biggest commercial directors out there, but he also did... Uh, you know, Patriot's Day and uh, The Kingdom and The Rundown with The Rock and mm -hmm. all these movies. And he had agreed to be an executive producer on my movie because he liked my work so much. So he was working on my movie, but I was showing up to work every day smelling like booze at his office. Mm -hmm. And he took me aside and said, we can't, we can't do this anymore. You're not allowed to come in the office anymore. And like, I remember like that day, it was just my heart sunk. I was like, Peter Berg doesn't like me anymore. This is terrible. How, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to live with this. And I'm like, I just need to get help. You right. know, so I, w I had been addicted to drugs and, and alcohol and then like I needed to get help, but it still took a while longer. And what was interesting is I was making the movie Prescription Thugs by that point mm -hmm. about the op opioid addiction. But I was still addicted to alcohol the whole time that I was making Prescription Thugs because I didn't understand sobriety. So the best thing that could ever happen happened to me. And I got I hit rock bottom, had, you know, no money. I had to go to rehab. There was no other way to like sort of crawl out of this hole. I had been on Suboxone to get off of opioids. I was also addicted to Xanax, like benzodiazepines. I was on about nine different prescription drugs every single day and just said like enough is enough. And uh, meet through, also through now I met a new girl, uh, Lauren, who became my girlfriend. And I think if it's not for Lauren, I don't think I'd be here because she... Um, just saw me a mess one day and she, she came home and she called my brother. And this is after I had not been able to not drink or take a drug for, for years. Mm -hmm. You know, I did it every single day and I did a lot of it because I was trying to like, again, escape from pain and I couldn't get out of pain. So that, that's where this leads basically is went to rehab, it, you know, got cleaned up, 
because of Lauren and also because of my family, because of Mark helping me out. And as I was getting through rehab, I was still making prescription thugs. And halfway through rehab, I'm, well, actually, I got into rehab. And another thing that's weird is I interviewed this guy on prescription thugs. His name is Richard Tate. And he saved my life because I interviewed him during prescription thugs and he knew something was wrong with me, but he couldn't tell what it was. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, um, my, I kept saying Richard Tate, Richard Tate to my mom. And she's like, who's Richard Tate? He keeps talking about this Richard Tate guy. And my mom's trying to make sense of what I'm saying. And um, my mom like finds out and she calls him. Mm-hmm. And she, he's like, uh, hey, Mr. Tate, you know, this is Mrs. Bell. My son had interviewed you for this movie. And uh, he's doing really bad right now on drugs and alcohol. He said, Mrs. Bell, you get that kid. I remember him. You get him here right now. And she's like, well, I can't afford to go to your rehab. It's way too expensive. She's like, I didn't say anything about you paying a dime. You get him here tomorrow. And then, so I got, I got there tomorrow. I got there the next day. And I was actually up here in Sacramento because my family had flown me up here, you know, to, to be here. And uh, went through the whole stint of rehab, got through rehab and... Man, I felt great that I was off of drugs. I felt so happy and my mind was clear and free. But I was in so much pain at that point. You know, because now I have no drugs to cover anything up. I have no alcohol to cover everything up. I would drink until I would go to sleep, until I would pass out. Because that's how you get to sleep when you can't sleep. Right. And I also had, like, sleep apnea. So I'd sleep for an hour and wake up. And, you know, it's it's just terrible. And it's so abusive to your body. And um, I found, you know, my friend Horseshoe... He's been in a couple of my movies. He took so many opioids that he had a stroke. Uh, he was wrestling for WWE. He was taking about 120 different pills a day, all, all pretty dangerous pills. And uh, along with that, steroids and, and um, you know, Viagra and 20 other drugs, you know. So yeah, yeah. he was just stacking everything. He had a stroke. But then he, um, he had a miraculous comeback. He should have died from this stroke for sure. And he wasn't, he was addicted to opioids at the time that he had the stroke. Somehow, the, the stroke killed the part of his brain that was like responsible for the addiction. Like He had some sort of weird reset. The mm-hmm. doctors have no idea what happened because he should have died from the withdrawals from all the drugs he was on, but he, got, he had no withdrawals. It kind of worked like Ibogaine does, yeah. like where it flips the addiction. Mm-hmm. Like That kind of happened to him through a different mechanism. They're still not sure why, but that basically saved his life. And then he had the same problem. He, was, he had to learn to walk and talk again and all these things. He walks and talks fine. <clears throat> now um, he's, he's perfect. The reason he's perfect is he started taking Kratom. And since he was such a crazy drug addict, like the craziest drug addict I ever met, he was also a pimp. You know, he had a porn star girlfriend, and he would pimp her out for money. Okay. And he just led, led this crazy lifestyle. Well, Horseshoe now sells Kratom, and he lives on top of a mountain in Phoenix. He's, he's like a millionaire, you know? Yeah. And, like, to me, that's an amazing story because he's been up and down so many times in life now he doesn't do any drugs he doesn't drink he just drinks about 20 red bulls a day (laughs) so when he found out about um when he told me about kratom and that he was on it and how much it helped him i was just fascinated by it because i didn't think anything could help him yeah and he's like bro you got to try this so little did i know trying it meant he was uh doing a mini sales pitch for me he came here with this other guy that owns a kratom company and like they sort of ambushed me and said, hey, you need to make a movie about this. Mm-hmm. And I, I like laughed in their face. I'm like, make a movie about Kratom? Are you kidding me? Why would I make a movie about Kratom? And they're like, well, have you ever tried it? And blah, blah, blah. And I'd heard about it. I had read about it. 
And I had tried it once and I didn't, I didn't feel anything because I don't think I knew what I was supposed to feel. And the guy said, this will take away all your pain. And, he, and I'm like, well, how many do I take? He's like, well, he's like, if you really, you really want to feel the effects of it, take like four capsules. Mm -hmm. So I went home and I took eight. Yeah. And I was on the moon. I had never felt so good in my life. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh my God. I called the guy, go, Kelly, horseshoe, I have no pain. What is going on? What did you give me? And like, that's Kratom. I'm like, if that's what Kratom feels like, I want to feel like that every day. So like, yeah, we can easily make that happen. Let me get you a bunch of Kratom. Three months later, they were still trying to talk me into making a movie, but I wasn't convinced. Right. And then the government tried to ban it. And when the government tried to ban it, I'm like, this is awesome. This is a cause. Like, this is so cool. We have this pill that can, like, get people over op opioids. You know, a lot of people, you're not supposed to market it or sell it to help anybody get off opioids. But I think we all know that that happens, you know, where mm -hmm. people will take it and, and not have withdrawals. I don't recommend it for that. And we're not allowed to recommend it for that. But I just think it's a, a great plant just in general to, for mental and physical health and well-being. Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, so on Kratom, do you, because I'm a big fan of Kratom myself. Yeah, I know. I've seen the movie. I love it. I, first time I tried Kratom was at Super Training, Mind Bullet. So same thing. I, I took some dr driving home 30 minutes away, and I felt amazing. It was the best drive I've ever had. So, yeah, but on that, do you think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, negatives on Kratom too. Crater, we, Kratom not us. Yeah, not us though. We're not Kratom yeah. haters. I love it. But like the addiction and then if it affects your liver, all this stuff, it affects blood work, yeah. hormones. Everybody's throwing you, everything out I there. I could tell you right now, because this will come out in a couple days. So there's a video that Psyched Substance, you know him? On um, He's friends with Derek from More Plates, More Dates. But his, his YouTube channel is Psyched. Substance. Oh, yeah, I do know who that is. And he's great. His yeah. name's Adam. He's a, cool, he's a cool guy. But he's been going through a lot lately. He went up and down through addiction um, to Kratom. He was, like, really heavily addicted to Kratom. And he just, just put out a video yesterday or a couple days ago apologizing for ever bashing Kratom. He's like, listen, man, I realized it wasn't Kratom's fault. It was my fault. I was taking this drug over and over and over again trying to get to this feeling, and I couldn't get there, so I kept taking more and more of it. He's like, it had nothing to do with Kratom. He's yeah. like, actually, Kratom's not harmful at all. It doesn't lower your testosterone. It doesn't lower your, you know, other things. It can, like, maybe raise your prolactin. I wouldn't say everything's all good, but also Kratom lowers your blood pressure, which if you're on steroids, that's a great advantage to have, you right. know? That's so it also does a lot of really good things and can help a lot of people. Like, for me, the things I find the most are pain. But I also think that, like, I, I know you, you're a pretty shy kid. So I think Kratom to you brings out, like, all of a sudden you're all pumped and, yeah. and fired up, you know? Yeah, yeah which I, I think could be, I, for me personally, that was a good thing because, you know, I don't want to blame it. I don't want to say I just started taking something and then my whole, I just changed everything. But it does give you more like, it'd be like if you're at a bar and you're, like, tense and you're shy and you're not really social and then you take a shot or something and then you start opening up. 
that's kind of like what Kratom does for me. It get, especially in situations where I'm podcasting with you or Stan or Mark, yeah. it gives me like a little confidence. It just opens me up a little bit to be, you know, not as anxiety. And to speak to addiction, I know that guy's an N of one. You know, he's just one example of somebody that said they were addicted and actually people do experience Kratom addiction. They do go to rehab for it. It is no joke. But the only way to really get addicted to Kratom, in my opinion, is to take large doses for a long time mm -hmm. and, and take multiple doses a day. Yeah. If you take it three times a day and you're taking like five, six, eight grams at a time, like you're, you're going to hit a wall at some point. It's not going to do anything anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's with anything too, though. So I don't know why people bash it so much because you could do the same thing with well, steroids. And with Kratom, there's a ceiling. You only get to a certain high. You don't keep going higher and higher and higher the more you take. You just start feeling sick. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't understand how people even get their tolerance up to be that high, but it does happen. So I do warn people about it. Also, I'm coming out with a drink called Full Bore that's going to be like... I tried it. Yeah. Um, you tried it without the bitter blockers, so now they're going to be way better. Yeah. So I, hopefully it'll be way better. We'll, we'll see in a couple weeks here. It was but I, I'm putting out a Kratom drink because I think too many people drink alcohol. And I think that you need something, man. You can't go in public nowadays without having anxiety. You know, like it's just, it's, it's a crazy world that we live in. And so I think like things like marijuana and things like Kratom are great. So I'm creating full bore. It's like an alcohol alternative. We're going to have like two different kinds. Um, one's going to be called full bore. And the other one's going to be called Full Riz, which is like marketed towards the uh, hip hop world, which is going to be a friend of mine owns, Riz. you know, yeah. So a friend of mine owns a company that works with like all the big hip hop companies. And we're hoping to sort of invade that world as well, because I think it should be in every arena that it can be. And, yeah. you know, um, part of the full board drink is like, can we get it into some high end bars and restaurants? that will like have it and people might order it instead of ordering a drink because you'll feel great. I think that's genius. Cause you know? even just, you know, not, I'm not gonna say family members, but you know, I see a lot of people drinking a lot and they're very close-minded to things like Kratom and yeah, I try to convince them and it's just, so I think if there was more places people could go and reach for it and just try it. I said it on um, Joe Rogan's podcast, but I actually take it to drive. Like if I'm going to go on a long drive, instead of saying, well, don't drink and drive with Kratom, it's more like, why? Well, if I'm going to go on a long drive, my joints are going to be achy and stiff. And I just want to take something like, it's like, it's very similar to coffee. It's yeah. in the same family as coffee. Yeah. I don't think like I would, I wouldn't even, man, I don't I'll, know what, ca I, I don't want to. I guess does it fall under an opioid? But I would I wouldn't even well, place it in the same category as weed. As far as how harmful it is, it's not very like. I have damaging. a vision to um, get this drink off the ground, and it, if it's as su successful as I think it will be, um, to get that off the ground and then start opening places that would be like Starbucks, but with kratom and things like that. That would be you know like maybe a place where you can go in. This has always been my dream for Mark and I to have. I want to have like a, a steak shake. Like, I want to go to Austin, Texas, and open up a steak shake, um, you know, little standalone store, like a drive through like a Dutch Brothers. But it's sick. like a steak shake place, or it's, uh, or it's a Mind Bullet. Yeah, Bell Brothers, right? Yeah. And so it's like you pull in there, and you can get a protein shake. You can order bone broth. You can order coffee. You can get Kratom drinks. You can cool. get, like, everything in this one spot would be incredible. But you need, like, the right environment, and you need the right team around it. Because if you don't yeah. have the right teams around that kind of stuff... 
it fails. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. Just giving a little announcement that you guys need to be training your neck. I use the strong neck. You could do side, side, forward, back. It completes the physique. Nobody wants big muscles with a pencil neck, you know, especially if you get punched in the face. Look at all the fighters. They have thick necks. There's got to be a correlation there. So go over to strongneck.com and use code anabolic to save some money. Back to the program. There needs to be a drive-through shake place. The yeah. world is too fat. We need to fix it. Anabolic, stop that! Right, that would be legendary. I would spend all my money there. <laughs> the anabolic drive-through. Yeah, anabolic drive-through. Well, I always had a vision since I was a very little kid. Um, I was in powerlifting at a very young age. I'm traveling the world, the country, rather, with my dad, doing different meets, and we were like in Pennsylvania one time, and I said, you know what? They need to o- open up like a healthy McDonald's. Yeah. They need to open a McDonald's where you, all the food you can get is actually good. And back in the day, McDonald's did at one point offer a McLean burger, and it was like it only had 10 grams of fat. Hmm. That's kind of cool like that they yeah. did that. But they went away from that instead of rather like towards that because I think people revolted against it, and it's like, you know. But I think if they had more offerings, like more carnivore offerings on the menu, more weight. Like a pe- people don't know you can get a Flying Dutchman. If yeah. there was like, and I know In-N-Out doesn't do this stuff, but if there was a sign for it or something, you, I think everybody would order it because every time I get it, people go, I didn't know you can get it like that. Yeah. Or they say, I'm getting that next time. So I know that just by doing it, you influence other people. And I say, you know what? When I'm done eating this, I could go run if I want to. Yeah. You know, because I don't feel so bloated. Right, right. Yeah, that would be sick. I feel the same way. People are definitely uh, too fat, too unhealthy. But... I, one last question on the Kratom. So I want to say it's I, – I don't even want to – when I explain it to other people, obviously I'm a fan, so I'm going to say all the good. I'm going to tell you it's amazing. But I don't – you know, some people – I don't know what category – I don't even think it's as bad as weed. Like if I smoke weed and I try to drive, it might be a little different. Yeah, I wouldn't, but if I take I Kratom and I drive, even if it's a high dose, I'm, as long as I don't feel sick – I have the best drive ever. You know, Rogan put it a really great way. He said, uh, he's like, Kratom, like, I'm high, but all my stuff works. That's, yeah. how, that's how, like, he explained it. Goes, I'm present. It's really weird. He's like, I'm very focused, and everything works. So it's not like you're high where it's, uh, it's you know, where you can't operate. It doesn't feel, it doesn't really feel to me like a drug, I would say. It feels like uh, Impairment's the word. You're not impaired. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, at least we don't think that you are, and none of the science says that. Uh, you know, it's interesting because with a lower testosterone, I hear that all the time, and I'm like, okay, well, did you get your testosterone checked before you want a Kratom? Do you know, like, you know, it's like they blame everything on Kratom. What Kratom can do is uh, raise prolactin, which may result in, like, uh, it's, it's like prolonged sexual activity. So you can go longer mm, without what you're saying. exploding, basically, right? You can go a lot longer. Yeah. Sometimes you can't. Ah. You, you keep going. Okay, this is interesting. And sometimes it gets really annoying. Yeah. I know, know a couple people, including myself, that have had that issue where, you know, you can't get fully there. Let's just say that. Yeah. You can't yeah. get fully wrecked. I think it does have something to do with Kratom. I, I think that... Um, it, it has something to do with the feet. It's like almost like I just can't... I don't know. But, but there is, just so everybody's clear, at the same time, I'm saying, like... I've had those side effects from Kratom too, but by taking way too much of it in a day, but it seems to go away when I, when I take less Kratom. However, the science doesn't say 
that it causes that. So I'm wondering if it causes that in a roundabout way or, you know, by raising prolactin, does it cause the ED yeah. or whatever, you know, and it's usually not that bad for most people. Yeah. Well, I've definitely, um, I've definitely experienced, experienced that with Kratom. It's, it's a weird, that's the, only, I, 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 I wouldn't even say it's a, sometimes it could be a good thing too. I think it's smart to take breaks. Yeah. I also think it's smart for people to just know that Ibogaine is out there and Ibogaine is a tree bark from South Africa that if anybody gets in a dark corner and they're at their wits end and cannot get sober, I think that Ibogaine is great, but also Ibogaine can be microdosed to get people off a of Kratom. You know, yeah. to get, get people off a of Kratom with no addiction, with no withdrawals or feeling, because it make, what it does is it potentiates an opiate receptor. So it makes your body feel like it's always on opioids for like a couple months after you do Ibogaine. Really? So it'd be like, it's like, perm, it's like permacratum. Oh. But we don't know that much about it yet to really say that it's safe to use that way. But it, it is safe in small doses for sure. So is it like a potion or is it like a... It's, a, it's like a capsule. It's a tree bark from Africa. And what they do oh, is... Oh, it's just a capsule. They, yeah, they, what they were finding is these elephants would eat this tree and they'd be fine. But then once they eat, eat down to the next layer of bark... They would walk backwards and roll over and do all sorts of crazy stunts, and they, they were getting high. Oh, like, what are these shit. animals getting high from? They figured out it was this iboga tree. And this is like a long time ago, a couple hundred years ago. Figured out it was this iboga tree, and that's what's doing it. And then they realized that it could be used for addiction, and that's a fascinating story that I could tell real quick. A guy named Howard Lotsoff was living in New York City. He was a heroin addict, and he wanted to get off heroin. Um, all right, he, he, didn't even, he didn't want to get off heroin. He was a heroin addict. He, he wanted to get higher. So somebody told him, oh, Ibogaine potentiates your opioid receptors, and you'll get way higher. Yep. So instead, it had the complete opposite effect on him. He took it, and he never did heroin again, hmm. ever. And he was a straight-up addict for 20 years. That's and so he started going on this world tour to get Ibogaine out to the public. So it's just interesting to know about that stuff. Yeah, no, because I don't hear, I mean, maybe I don't follow the right people, but I don't, I feel like I don't hear about this enough. I feel, I feel like we have secret weapons in society that no, nobody's using. The carnivore diet by far is the best medical dietary intervention that anybody can do. I don't care what anybody says. I've done it up and down, back and forth, th different ways. And the closer I get to red meat and water, the healthier I get. And I can't say it any other way. It's just, it's just not my experience. Like, yeah. do I feel better eating some rice? And yeah, but I'm also bloated and Sluggish, you know can't yeah. move as good. And yeah, like I, that's just me. I have a lot of autoimmune conditions, so I'm trying to be careful about that. And that's why I don't prescribe a carnivore diet to everybody. It wouldn't work for what you're doing. So yeah. like, well, I would never put you on it. Yeah. So well, you do the carnivore diet basically, but add some rice. You know, mm -hmm. you need to add those carbs in so you can, you need to keep, you don't need carbs to build muscle, but you need carbs to have an anabolic environment in your body. I think Mark talks about that a lot. And with salt and carbohydrates and all the water, so that's how you keep full. that anabolic. Yeah. 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 No. Obviously, you know what's going on. I don't have to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But I've tried, I've tried carnivore for a little bit, a little, a little short period of time. I also tried keto for a minute after I broke my hand. And I, as far as energy, I felt amazing. For the first week, I was kind of like, you know, digestion was kind of weird. And I kind of felt like, ah, I'm not feeling this. But after that, It would I be felt, interesting, like, at some point to maybe even experiment with, like, like really high-calorie carnivore. Where, like, you literally eat as much meat as you can yeah. <laughs> and see what happens. Because it seems like my body, when I first did carnivore, remember, like, a couple of years ago when I first did it, I got completely shredded. Yeah. And I was in the best shape of my life, 
and I wasn't on testosterone then. I was actually using some SARMs. Yeah. I got in like the best shape of my life. I've not been in shape like that since, but that's because I was doing red meat and water every day for months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I think, I mean, yeah, if you could get just like a bodybuilder, if they just for a short amount of time just did, or if they're like retired or something and they're yeah. off everything, if you just ate meat, red meat and water, I don't see how you wouldn't well, be sure. You know, yeah, right now I'm, I'm kind of like lazy man's carnivore. Well, I'll, I'll add some other things in. Like I make these bacon jalapeno poppers. They're Ooh. just bacon, cream cheese, and a jalapeno, mm -hmm. but they're the most amazing thing ever. So I'm not going to deny myself of that treat just to be carnivore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I guess the cream cheese would still be considered carnivore. But like, I, I just have little things like that every day that help me stay on the diet. So if I go completely just meat and water, it does become too difficult to handle. So I also have like steak shakes, which would fit into a carnivore diet. Yeah. You know, yeah, like that. I, I ran into that problem too. Not with keto, but with carnivore. That's why I there's stopped. nothing to eat. You're like yeah. how many more, how much I'm more meat? I'm starving and I want something like I want something else, but there's only, and like, it takes 25 minutes to cook up a steak. Yeah. So and it's then like, it just doesn't, you can put all the sauces, everything you want, but after like five times a day, you're just like, man, I need something. We need lab grown government meat that tastes amazing and can heat up in the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're coming to. Yeah. You know, we got all yeah. these people trying to make, uh, take our meat away. Yeah. We have some mush that we eat, but yeah. hey, if it tastes good, I mean. Yeah. So, talking about, you know, carnivore, kratom, let's talk about super subs. Yeah. He said it. Super subs. I know. Let's talk about it because uh, there's a bunch of, well, one, I'm I'm around you and Mark, right? Yeah. So you guys have seen everything. You guys have a ton of experience, so I feel safe, comfortable over here. But seeing all these young bodybuilders die, at least for me, when I'm going, I'm going straight for where they're, yeah. they were at, they're dropping dead. I'm, you know, that's definitely a turnoff for me. I'm, yeah. I mean, I feel like for anybody that's young, even even people their age especially. It's hard, right? Because you want to get to the top quick. Yeah. If you want to get to the top quick, you could go on TRT and just see how it does for you and stay on a small dose, but it ain't, it's going to take you forever, Yeah. right? So you need to take the elevator. So you're like, oh, I got to do this to get up, at least to get up to here. Um, one, like, the one thing I, I always say to you is I feel you have a lot of potential in bodybuilding, and I would never tell you, like, what to do or not to do. I do think most people take way too many drugs, mm -hmm. and they don't let – I think you have a natural, amazing physique. Like, I've seen you when you're natural, and you've looked, always looked amazing. So it's Thank not you. that you just did a bunch of juice, and I don't want anybody to ever think that that's what you do or you are. So yeah. just because you say you do it doesn't mean you do a ton of it, right? Thank you. And that's, a, that's an important factor, and I think – you should try to use the minimum effective dose. So like if what you're doing right now is like working, 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 well, stay on it. And then once that stops working, maybe try to switch it up a little bit or whatever. But yeah. just keep going until stuff works. And I also just don't think like keep adding stuff on is any good for people. I think most people who take steroids actually don't look that good for, for the most part. You know, like they, they're not, it's not enhancing a lot of these people's physiques. Yeah. Like TRT will do a little bit for your physique, but everybody responds differently, you know, and, and for a lot of people, like I, I see, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm on testosterone. It's like, well, it hasn't really changed their physique. Yeah. They haven't gotten ripped off of it. So the things that people think that you get out of TRT are not what you get out of juicing either. Like when you crank the dosages up, it, it works way faster and better, but there's also way more side effects. Yeah, yeah. I also think it has to do with, like, your lifestyle. Because for me, I was already I, – I, I tried – 
at 20, I'm pretty sure, might have been 19, pretty sure it was, I just turned 20, I tried like, I think it was 200 milligrams of test, and I was in a cut, I didn't see, I really honestly didn't see any, I didn't see any changes, and then I stopped, came off, wasn't taking anything, and then the next year or so, I tried it when I was bulking, and I, there's, amazing. There's something weird about SARMs as well, I think a lot of people have like written them off, and I'm not recommending that people do them, but I definitely recommend people start looking into them because I feel like uh, there's something really interesting about SARMs, and if they are safe, they might be more, they might be safer than steroids, even though I know a lot of people will doubt me on that, but I think if you actually look up all the studies, like when they, when they were making these SARMs, these were compounds to be used as pharmaceutical agents later on, and for one reason or another, they've got, they got pulled off the market. You know, they weren't needed. But when you actually look at people using these in the therapeutic doses that they used in the studies, there's no real serious side effects for most of them. Obviously, it's a wide range of drugs, so you can't put a blanket over it. But for most of them, there's no real crazy side effects. And they seem to be very effective at building muscle. So what is so wrong with them? Like, before we just completely write them off, I want to know, like, what is so wrong with them? Should we write this off? Or could this lead to another compound that does something even better, and then I always ask the question, are we just playing God and messing, and you know, gonna in the end destroy ourselves, because it seems like everything human be beings do ends up leading towards disaster that we didn't intend, Yeah. you know? Yeah, well no, yeah, I've heard tons of things on SARMs. I heard also they're more select, on paper, they're supposed to be more selective. And then you hear that they're not too, when you hear like real yeah. people talk about it. A lot of people like Stan Efforting will tell you, don't do SARMs, it's stupid. And he's like, we just don't know enough about it, and that's probably the smartest, approach for most people to take. Um, there's no reason that Stan, he, if he's using, an, using anabolics for you know, 20, 30 years, for him to just switch into SARMs like, because yeah. it's a new overnight thing, that would be ridiculous. So, yeah. But that's different than saying, like, do they work or could they be more effective for, for somebody who's never taken anabolics? Right. We just have to do those, those tests, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree with that, keeping it, keeping it uh whatever you said minimal effective yeah. dose i think that's smart i think i've tried this last year that's that's what i've been doing that's what i'm doing now i tried for about a month to crank things up a bit and all i got to be honest was negative side effects have I you got, tried trend no good no i i don't you know i know um you know, I, I watched, like, Chris Bumstead's video talking about it, and I watched, like, Derek's video about it. I think Derek is probably pretty logical there, saying, like, it's not the worst thing in the world for you, just to be honest. Like, not the worst thing, but it's but also a lot of people have a lot of problems on it. Yeah, every, so, everybody I know, like, because they talk about it changes your brain chemistry or whatever, so... Yeah, who knows? What I've, it can I've be. seen I, some people that are like definitely taking trend. Of the, they've told me, and I can you, sometimes you could like see it. So me personally, yeah, I know all, I don't the, ever all wanna... the stories from people that take it. They always tell me it's horrible. They start coughing like crazy. Then I I have talked to some people. Are like, oh man, it's great, and that's like all I use, and I just use small doses. And like, who knows? I'm just saying, it seems pretty toxic to be in your body if it's going to cause all these problems. So I say, why not just write that one off for now until. You know, maybe there is a, a version down the road that comes out that's not so crazy. But for right now, we just know that there's nothing great that comes of it. And yeah. there's nothing great that comes from any one substance. Even testosterone, it doesn't, it doesn't do much if you don't do much. Right. Yeah, if anything, you should probably do a lot more than... Well, it, it Mark's like do more, be more statement couldn't be any, <laughs> any truer. You know, like um, when, you take, when you take drugs 
to do more, you will end up being more. You will yeah. be more like you'll be a bigger person. You'll be a stronger person, faster person. Will you be a better person? I don't know. That's that's going to be, you know, uh, what are you doing with this? Yeah. What are you getting big, strong and fast for for no reason? You know, to inspire people. What you know, what is what do you what's your goal and how are you using it to help others? I think is important. Yeah. Also, I don't think people talk about. Well, people definitely talk about it, but at least for me, I like talking about the mental side of using testosterone. Yeah, Tony Huge talks about that a lot. Yep. Yeah, I because uh, it did. I've seen both now. That's why a trend is completely off for me forever. I don't plan on ever trying that because mentally. I go back and forth too often. So when I first tried it, I'm just talking about testosterone, not a crazy dose. I, for some reason, just mentally, I, obviously I was not stable. I'm not saying I'm stable now, but I'm better than yeah. I was. And it kind of just like derailed, it kind of just like messed with me a little yeah. bit. It, it definitely, I had a, you know, I was Does in a it, relationship uh... at the time. I'm not saying I was like aggressive. I was just emotional. Like if I felt sad, I was like, Oh my God, I'm depressed. If I was pissed, I was fucking pissed. But then a year later when I tried it and everything was kind of like when I did my prep, especially this last year, everything was like nailed down. Everything was like, I'm like, okay, this is where I can, I can add it in and I'm going to be good no matter what. And it completely elevated. I felt confident. I felt amazing. Energy was high. Everything, sleep was better. So I just think it can go either way but i don't think it you're just going to take testosterone and all of a sudden you're going to be like have roid rage or be depressed i think it has everything to do with like everything outside of what you're using yeah and the word roid rage is actually made up by the media it's it's a media term it's not a medical term so there is no rage that necessarily exists with steroids however i have seen people that take trenbolone become very aggressive so like that's probably the closest you could get to it like i think when people describe roid rage it's probably that's probably the drug that was doing it you know mm -hmm. or like halo testing or these other strong orals can also make people very aggressive so um you know and what is a rage it's like hard to define it, I mean, it just makes everything sound crazy yeah you know yeah that's the biggest uh issue i've had with just uh you know because to me like i told um i think it was mark no it was in sema on the podcast with Encima. It's like, to me, all this is pretty normal to me because I'm always around people like you, Mark, um, mm. everybody. Just, just it, It's normal here. I didn't think it was anything bad. I feel like being 250 and a bodybuilder is like, is nor I feel like it's normal because yeah. everybody's jacked here. Everybody talks about everything open. But then when I like go outside of, you know, or meet somebody's Do people parents, think that you're on steroids? Yeah, which I, I to be honest... I know I mentioned this story last, uh, last podcast, but I was almost like blind to that because I don't, I have a little bit of body dysmorphia. So I'm not thinking I walk around like without a pump. It's like when, you're, when your own house stinks, you can't smell it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like, it was just, it's, it's weird how people have such a different view on gear. Cause like, I know situation happened where they did not like the fact that I was uh, big. They didn't, they didn't even know if I was on gear or not, but they made the assumption, which they were correct, and they didn't like the fact that I was big. Like, they really didn't They like thought you me. had fat shoulders. Yeah. This so guy's like, shoulders are so fat. I'm like, man, I forget <laughs> sometimes that it's not normal. It's, it's just, it's not, it's still, like, taboo to a lot of people. Yeah. 
So does that, it bother you if people are like, "Hey, man, you're on steroids"? Like, you think that people are trying to take away like what you've done? Because, like I said, I I think very little of your physique is actually due to using steroids. I think most of it's been there. You know? I think I think I don't I don't really I used to care a lot because I used to get accused of steroids when I was natural, and that pissed me off a lot. So I I feel for Encima. That used to really make me yeah. upset. But now I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Because the people that actually know me, like you, Mark, Wyatt, and Seema, you guys see me put in the work, so you guys understand it's, I'm not just sitting there jabbing myself up seven days a week and doing nothing. I'm, I'm working for it. So, yeah, I feel like I don't, I don't care. If Have you seen Andrew Tate lately? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking pretty jacked right now. Yeah, he is. I wonder, like, is that because he just got out of prison? or Because he, I... he made this big ploy of, like, big play of, like, I've never done steroids, blah, blah, blah. And now that he said all that, now, now did he go on? Did he, like, liver king us? Now he, 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 he is smart enough to do that. I... He looks good, though. He, he actually looks really good. Like, and it also could be, like, he's really tan. But I saw him on the, these, like, interviews last night, and I'm like, he was, like, had no shirt on in the interview. I watched it. I watched He looked great, though. Him, I was uh, like, man, he looks swole. Yeah, I watched an interview with him. He was interviewing... Uh, Adam 22 and his wife. Yes, I saw that. That yeah. was amazing, right? And so the, like, Adam 22 totally killed Andrew Tate. He's like, I was with Cowboy Cerrone, and he was telling me you can't I watched fight. that last night. Did you ever watch? I, I watched it last night, too. Did you ever watch? You told him to punch him in the face and see what happens. Did you ever watch the, uh, there's a, yeah, um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Tate clips, so forget it. But, no, yeah, I watched that last night, too. Andrew Tate's jacked. I wouldn't be, I feel like he's the type of guy, though. I feel like he's so against it. I, it would be a shock if he was actually yeah, doing something. Yeah. I feel like he's all, I don't need that shit. I'm natural, blah, blah, blah. I, I actually think it would be a great move. Like, I think the best move right now for Mike O'Hearn is, like, he endorses TRT clinics now. And he's like, well, I just get, you know, just get peptides. or yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. I just get my blood work done there. And it's like, yeah, see, that works great. Yeah. I love it. Well, I've seen him do that, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that whole natty or not thing. Uh, well, you know what? We created thing. We, uh, Smelly and I started this gangster shit. The yeah. first natty or not was bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. No that's one's true. ever done anything like that before. That's true. That was the first one. Busted everything open. Well, actually, that was just not, like not that, that movie was not natty. Yeah. That was like, no, none of us are natty. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. That's, that's why I, that's why I just. I made a post about it with Encima. It, I got some backlash for it, but it was after my prep. I just, I just said, if if I ever grow to have a following, I'm gonna get this shit out now, so it's never a problem. Cause yeah. I, I hate one. I'm never gonna lie. And two, I just, I just don't. I'm sick and tired of it. Doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. I learned a great another, quote in rehab that no one is worth lying to. Yeah. Like that's like because it's like a um, compromising of your own integrity. And so my guy, Richard Tate, from my, um, my rehab, that ran my rehab, he told me that. He's like, there's nobody important enough to lie to. Like, it, yeah. it's stupid. You know, I'm like, huh. <laughs> yeah. He always made me think. He would tell me, like, when you, the, your job is that when you leave anywhere, it's better than when you left, than when you got there. Yeah. And he's like, just make sure that always happens. So it's like when I'm leaving the gym, when I'm leaving the house, like, I'm always trying to, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, no, keep I, things nice. So some of those things we learn in rehab go a long way in life, and I think that's the same with lifting. All these lessons we learn under the barbell, we use these in real life to push through the hard times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And I, you know, I made sure 
the first time I remember, you remember Tom File, I think his name yeah. was? Tom File, when I first started, it was like a month after I started. This is when I stopped my prep, and I, di I didn't really, when I was explaining, I didn't really get much out of it. Like, there was no change. Um, he, I remember he told me, he, was, he asked me, are you, are you natural? And I said no, and I remember he gave me like a look. I was like, fuck, I look natural and I'm using tests? Are you kidding me? So from that point on, I made it a point. I'm like, I want to look like I am absolutely not natural. So then I just worked for it. And now people don't really ask me. They just, I, I feel like they just assume, which is fine. I'd rather have that than somebody come up to me and be like, are you natural? I also think keeping your diet really clean is important. You know, Cali Muscle went through a life-changing, he had a, you know, he used to claim he was natural for the longest time. This is all natural, bro. That's like crazy. He used to say that. I'd be like, there's no way. Uh, there's yeah, no, I, yeah. I never believed it once. But then I started seeing videos of him saying that he was doing TRT since he was 28. But that's like very recent, mm -hmm. you know? And then even now he's saying that steroids ruined his life. And he might be right, man. Like he had a heart attack. He doesn't, he's not jacked anymore like he used to be, you know? And so um, for him walking around all, the, all those years being that big, you know, if that was worth it to him, great. But I think his, uh, I, I like Cali Muscle a lot. We know him personally and stuff like that. He's a great dude. And I think that um, what's, you know, is, is it worth it to, to like, to walk around jacked for 10 years? Like to, to have a heart problem at 50? And you're like, I don't know. You know, yeah. like maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But like, you have to weigh out those things. Those are the things that people need to weigh out. And then like, like where will you be at 50? Do you, like, it's kind of weird that, uh, even for me, it's weird that I still want to be jacked at all at 50. I, I'm really, I, I've been trying to like slim myself down, but it doesn't seem to work, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I just go feel like I'm stuck, you know? And then um, every time I try to not lift heavy, I end up lifting heavy. Yeah. It's a cycle that it, you get stuck into. It's, a, it's like you said, a, a body dysmorphia, but also like a, like a um, I'm not doing anything dysmor dysmorphia. Yeah. yeah. So like you go in and train some extra legs. You don't need to train extra legs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I think... I think people like Stan, you know, if you compare Cali Muscle to like Stan, Stan's in his fit, Stan's like what, 55? Well, and what I meant about Cali Muscle is like his diet has always been like McDonald's and mukbangs and like his, yeah. his diet, and the same with C.T. Fletcher had a heart problem that's more genetic most likely, but, um, but they always had eaten bad. Yeah. And I think if you always, I think if you eat bad for a long time, you can still be in great shape. Your body's using it, blah, blah, blah. Like, but all these chemicals are constantly breaking you down and beating you up and lowering your, your hormones and, and changing mm -hmm. everything all along the way, every single day. And you're just hammering your system and not, not letting it, you know, get any rest. So I think by cutting out a lot of those processed foods for like, I think just even the past six years on the carnivore diet has completely changed my health because my HDL cholesterol is always in the nineties mm -hmm. and the doctor's always shocked by how high that is. Cause he's like, Hey, you're, your numbers are really healthy for what you're eating. Now, my LDL cholesterol is always a little bit high as well, but my triglycerides are low, so I don't normally worry about that. I think that that's not, not an issue with, like, low triglycerides. Yeah, yeah. I just think diet is definitely, definitely And your diet is pretty clean, right? It's basically meat and rice? Yep, meat and rice. That's Fruits and vegetables it. or anything like that? Yeah, meat, rice. I have some fats in there now. What kind uh, of fats? Uh, Joe Sullivan has me doing um, MCT oil and I think avocado. Yeah, avocado. So I like it. It's not too crazy. I came from doing a carb cycling approach, which is a lot of carbs, like a ton of carbs every day. How's it working fat. with Joe? 
Good. Good. I need to check in. Forgot about that. But hey. <laughs> but it's been good. I, I just, I mean, I don't really say much. I just follow. I'm just somebody that gets a plan. What made you pick him? Mm, really? Well, I've known about him. I've listened to him. Because he came here to the gym? <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't even get to meet him. Oh, I, you didn't? I didn't get to meet him. Oh, he was great. I was gone that day. But uh, I've listened to every podcast of his on Elite FTS. I think where he came from and where he is now talking about like even with Cali Muscle, all these people transitioning. I think he is somebody that he openly admits like he was abusing drugs. Yeah. He was not healthy. He didn't see a future for himself. Like he just thought, you know, I don't know. Well, like Mark gonna... did the same thing that Cali Muscle did. Like he got really big for a while. Mark just wasn't wasn't that big for that long. You know, yeah. like he wasn't so big for that long. Um I think that's a, that could be a problem too. Just you know, that's what I worry about. Like I love the Rock. Rock's amazing. I don't want to see anything bad happen to him, but he's huge. He's a huge man, and yeah. it's like, you know, I just I just wor I worry about people like that because it's like, I who knows though. The like I'm telling you, the Rock has always been so jacked, man. Like I've known him since 1999. He's always looked incredible. He doesn't really look that much different now, except for he's much fuller. Yeah. And so, but he's always been big. Mm -hmm. So I, it's like, um, it's like re, you know, reconstituting the body. Like he just, he just got leaner and leaner and leaner, but he's always had like, I just remember him at Gold's gym in 1999, looking at his arms going, this guy's arms are gigantic, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's not like it completely transformed the rocks physique. It tightened them up. Mm -hmm. It did what I just said happened to Andrew Tate. Like Andrew Tate looks full and and big, yeah. right now. And and who it just might be that it might be he got out of prison. Boom, you know. Yeah. Started eating meat again. You know. Yeah, I don't know, but I do think diet is key. Getting a coach maybe that might help too. Just keeping you accountable. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think it's the food. Look at Stan. Stan's jacked still. And he never misses a meal. That's what he told me two years ago. He was like, I don't miss meals. He's professional. Like, that's what I was just talking about before we started this podcast. Like, what Chris Williamson did to make his podcast blow up is he said, I turned professional. Everything was like I, like I was getting paid to do it, you know? So if I'm getting paid to organize somebody's meals and make sure they're all on time, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I do that for myself? Yeah. You know, like if you're working on other people's plans and you're not getting, you're not taking the time to do it for yourself. It's like, why are you doing that? Like just, just for money. Yeah. So do it for yourself too, because like, who cares? It's one extra step, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. Good. That's it. All right, guys, that's enough anabolic activities for the day. I hope you like this episode with Mr. Chris Bell. Drop a comment, leave a like. We'll be replying in the comments and let us know what you think. Yep. Until next time. Follow me at uh, Big Strong Fast on Instagram. And I have a podcast, The Chris Bell Show.